We have been speaking to you on what is called a season of, of the overflow, and we believe the Lord is giving the word to this ministry, to this church, and everyone that is a part of this church, everyone that connects to this church, everyone that's fully involved will experience an overflow in every area of their life. Amen. That amen needs prayer. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. But today I want to speak to you on something that I believe is going to begin to overflow in this church. It's going to begin to overflow in your personal life. And that is an overflow of the power of God. Just only my wife, my wife said amen. So it will overflow in her life. It will overflow in my life. And then I heard one person in the back also said amen. I said, I said we are going to speak to you today on something that I believe will begin to overflow in your life. And it's the power of God. Amen. 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 Overflow of the power of God. Tell your neighbor, overflow of the power of God. Overflow. On Wednesday when I was speaking, I began, to, I began to define what I believe power is. I said power is control. Control is demanding that what needs to be will be and what ought not to be should not be. When you are in power, you are in control. On one hand, there will be an overflow of the power of God. But on the other hand, there will be an overflow of demonic power. You've got to understand that God's power wants to overflow through us in this season. But as God's power will overflow through us this season, so also will the power of the devil overflow through many. Because as we look at history, we see that many have yielded themselves to God in history. And as they yielded themselves totally to the Holy Spirit, the power of God flowed through them to touch a lost and a dying world. But on the other hand, we've also seen many who have yielded themselves to demonic powers. And as they yielded themselves to the power of darkness, the power of darkness flowed through them to wreak havoc in in villages, in cities, in countries, in, in the continents of the world. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah chapter 60. You can look at that with me. Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah chapter 60. We're going to read verses 1 and 2. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is rising upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. So here in Isaiah 60, verses 1 and 2, we see two parallels. That one say two parallels. We'll see on one parallel the power of God, the glory of God. That shall be revealed upon the church like never before. And it's important that we stress that we live in the last seconds of the last days. Because in Acts chapter 2, Peter said, This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that it shall come to pass in the last days. So if Peter called 2,000 years ago the last days, then I stand here to say that 2,000 years later we are in the last seconds of the last days. Things are wrapping up quickly. The coming of Jesus is close. Like a thief in the night, he said, I'll come. Therefore, be ready. But I must tell you, before the rapture takes place, there's going to be an overflow of the power of God. Like the church have never known. What started in the book of Acts, and we see the book of Acts as the blueprint for the New Testament church, shall not diminish, rather it shall increase. And if you're a candidate, then I want you to begin to believe God. Because God wants to do the same things he did through Peter, through you. Amen. God wants to do the same things he did through Paul, through you. Amen. God wants to raise the dead. God wants you to be an agent for good in a world where wickedness is running rampant. So we see two parallels. On one hand, the power of God. On one hand, the glory of God. That's why he says here, arise and shine, for your light has come. 
And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Can I tell you, the church lives in the day of glory. This is the day of God's glory. This is the day where the glory of God does not just rest upon us, but the glory of God lives in us. We are the carriers of the glory of God. And I can guarantee you, everywhere we carry the glory to, all the activities of darkness must cease. If there has been death, when we walk into the place, life comes. If there has been sickness, when we walk into the place, health and healing comes. If there has been disaster, when we walk into the place, the peace of God will come. Can someone shout amen? amen. It says the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. The glory of God is upon the church. The glory of God is upon this ministry. The glory of God is upon each of us. Can someone say amen? amen. And God wants us to walk in his glory in these last days. This is not a time to sleep. This is not a time to slumber. This is not a time to run around and do your own thing. This is a time to be about our father's business. Can someone say amen? amen. But we also see that as the glory of God and the power of God is revealed through us, so also on the other parallel will darkness cover the earth. Notice it says, for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. And gross darkness shall cover the people. Gross darkness shall cover the people. The New King James Version says, deep darkness shall cover the people. People will be yielding themselves to demonic powers. People will be yielding themselves to all kinds of evil. People will be releasing demons in these last days by the way they live and by the things they believe and by the way they speak. But we as carriers of the power of God shall be men and women that shall set them free. Amen. Praise God. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13, it says he has delivered us from the power of darkness. We have been delivered. Except you're not born again. But if you are, you were delivered from the power of darkness. Now, the kingdom of darkness has power. But the power in the kingdom of darkness is nothing compared to the power of God. Satan, of course, is powerful. But I tell you, he is not all powerful. Satan is mighty, but he's not almighty. God is all powerful. God is almighty. And when the power of Satan comes in contact with the power of God, guess the power that gives way is definitely the power of Satan. The Bible says we have been delivered from the power of darkness and we have been conveyed into the kingdom of the son of his love. If you're a born again believer in this place this morning, you were delivered. I got this, this holy indignation rose up in me yesterday as I was teaching the Bible school students. And I began to touch this particular issue. Christians running from meeting to meeting, deliverance service to deliverance service. And this whole deliverance thing has become a big, a big money-making machine. And the reason why it's become a big money-making machine is because a lot of Christians, to be honest with you, most Christians are ignorant. Most Christians are ignorant. They're ignorant of who they are. They're ignorant of what God has made available to them in Christ. Show me one place in the Bible where Paul or Peter or Stephen or Philip or Barnabas, these men used by God, Show me one place in the New Testament where they were running from deliverance service to deliverance service. It's become a big deal today in the church. Sometimes at the beginning of every year, people go through a week of deliverance. And then you wonder what they are being delivered from. Even a pastor, like I heard, was going through deliverance every year. 
a pastor going through deliverance every yearly deliverance deliverance from what the only reason a christian should be going through deliverance is if the christian is messing up his life through sin that's the only reason but a christian that's full of god a christian that's full of the holy spirit a christian who is living right would not have to go through any deliverance. Rather, he will be the one delivering people. Amen. Notice what it says in Colossians 1.13. He has delivered us. The Bible does not say he will deliver us. The Bible does not say he is delivering us. The Bible says he has delivered us. It's, it's done. So my question to you is why are you going from deliverance service to deliverance service to be delivered from what? So what you are implying is that the deliverance that Jesus gave you on the cross of Calvary was not complete. Now don't get me wrong. People tend to mess their lives up and so they may need deliverance. But if you are a born again Christian who is living for God, you don't need deliverance. I have a lot of work to do here this morning. Because, <laughs> yeah, you come into this place. You probably never heard this before. Someone told you you need deliverance from your generational curse. You need deliverance from your family curse. You need deliverance from whatever. And I'm here to tell you, you were delivered. Amen. You were delivered. You were delivered. Amen. And I know that I have to preach this over and over again because we have a lot of new people. And then it will sink into their spirit suddenly. And then they'll realize that they don't need to be delivered. A young man walked into my office and he said to me, this was sometime last year. He said, Pastor God, will I need deliverance? Lay your hands on me. Pray for me to be delivered. Delivered from what? I said, are you born again? He said, yes. You know, you have to run people through the x-ray machine of the word of God. When you run them through the x-ray machine of God's word, you'll see whether they are free or not. I ran him through the x-ray machine of God's word. And suddenly his eyes popped open in my office. And he realized he didn't need any deliverance because he was already delivered. Amen. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. The problem is because a lot of people lack knowledge of what Jesus did on Calvary. They lack knowledge of what Jesus did on Calvary. And you look at the book of Acts, which is the blueprint. Everyone said the blueprint. The book of Acts is the blueprint for the New Testament believer. And if Paul the apostle, who was one of the worst persecutors of the New Testament church, on his way to Damascus, met with Jesus. Jesus knocked him off of his horse. He said, who art thou, Lord? Jesus, I am Jesus whom you persecute. He goes into Damascus. For three days he couldn't see. The Lord sends him a man. Said, go to him and, and lay your hands on him that he might receive his sight and receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The man walks up to Paul and lays his hands upon him. And the Bible says, scales fell off his eyes. And he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he was baptized in water. For three days he couldn't see. This we know in history was the worst persecutor of the church. Who eventually converted to Christianity. But the moment he gave his life to Jesus. The old was gone and the new began. So if Paul, as wicked as he was, the same man who held the clothes of those who stoned Stephen to death, you and I would agree that if you have killed a man, you have a curse upon your life. But not once does the Bible say he went through any deliverance. Because the moment he met Jesus, he was delivered. He, he wrote to the church, he said to them, Receive me, for I have done no man anything evil. This is a man who killed. This is a man who went to Jerusalem with one intent. 
to bring Christians into captivity and to put them in prison and to kill, and to kill them. This was the same man who said, receive me, I've done no man nothing bad. Listen, listen to me. A lot of people are so brainwashed. They are so brainwashed by religion. They are so brainwashed by the lie of religion. And the lie of religion has kept so many Christians in bondage to the point where they don't even know which way is up. Colossians 1, Paul wrote this. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. So what does that mean? Everything that the kingdom of darkness has to offer, we are being delivered from those. Amen. Curses are in the kingdom of darkness. But I guarantee you this morning, I am a born again believer. I do not live in the kingdom of darkness. Therefore, there is no curse upon my life. Amen. Sickness is in the kingdom of darkness. I've been delivered from the kingdom of darkness. Therefore, I am not sick and I cannot be sick. Oh, Pastor God, oh, you're boasting now. I am not boasting in myself. I'm boasting in what the Word of God says. Amen. This is the kind of boldness we need in these last days. If you will see the power of God flow through you, you need to be bold in what God says. Be bold in. Amen. The wicked runs when no man pursues them. But the righteous is as bold as a lion. Pastor God, why do you mention the devil's name? If you do, he's going to come after you. That's the fear. That's the fear. And the devil walks with fear. When people are afraid, then the door is open and he can easily attack them. We're not here to preach fear. We're here to preach faith. We're not here to preach fear. The Bible says, and God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power. Of love and of a sound mind. And the Bible says, perfect love casts away all fear. Amen. The perfect love of God is in me. For the love of God was shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, whom he gave to us. So if I have the love of God in me, why should I be afraid? Come on now. Preaching good. Yes. Religious lies. Religious garbage, religious nonsense that has kept the church in bondage. We're here to break that off of people. Amen. Casting down imaginations and everything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. Bringing into captivity all those negative thoughts that are not scriptural. For whom the Son sets free. is free indeed. Come on now. If Jesus has set you free, you are not fully free. If Jesus has set you free, you are partially free. If Jesus has set you free, he, he freed you in this aspect, but he kept you bound in that aspect. In actual fact, when Jesus came, he touched a few areas of your life and left the rest. No, that's what you're telling me. That's what you're believing. That's what many have believed for many years. But one scripture blows all of that out the window. Here in Colossians 1.13, he has delivered us. Tell your neighbor, I have been delivered. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say it like you truly mean it. I say, God, well, you can't preach like that. Some people are bound. Yeah, if they are bound, they're going to be set free while I'm preaching. Amen. Notice, deliverance does not come by twisting people's heads. Should I touch you? Deliverance does not come by, come, come, stand. Where is my worship team? Where is the worship team? The whole front is empty. Free. Free. Come out. Free. Listen, this is, this is not deliverance. You don't pray deliverance. You preach deliverance. You don't pray deliverance. You preach deliverance. Keep, keep standing. Let me show them because some people are looking at me like, what is he talking about? Go to Luke chapter 4. This old brother. All your family curse break. All your generational. Break. 
Somebody's going to get a revelation today. Amen. Luke chapter 4, look at verse 18. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to do what? To the poor. He has sent me to heal what? The brokenhearted. Notice the next thing Jesus said. To do what? To, to, to preach what? To the captives? Come on, to do what? To do what? To preach deliverance to the captives. The only way people can be set free is through the preaching of the word. Only that. Why? Because he sent forth his word. His word healed them. And set them free from all their destruction. It is only by preaching the truth that deliverance can truly come. You don't pray deliverance. You preach deliverance. Jesus did not go about praying deliverance. Jesus preached deliverance. Notice even when people were bound by demons, Jesus did not pray. Jesus said, come out. But we've got to also understand those that he told demons to come out from. They were unbelievers. Not to the disciples. Show me one place in the Bible where Jesus cast spirits or demons or broke curses off of his disciples. Show me one place. Please show me. You won't find. So why are we preaching something that's contrary to the truth? This reveals to you the reason why many Christians in the church are still bound. Why many Christians in the church are still living the low, the low life when God has raised them up and made them sit together with Christ in heavenly places far above all principality and power. Far above every name, far above every title, far above everything in the kingdom of darkness, far above everything on earth. Instead of sitting at a place of authority, people are crawling on the floor like, like a worm. Yet they call themselves what? Christians. You don't pray deliverance, you preach it. Look at what Jesus said. I was anointed to preach deliverance to who? To the captives. Because that's the only way people can truly be free. That's the only way people can... Nobody this, all this. Come on! I break it. I break it. I break it. I break it. <laughs> what are you breaking? Huh? I break it. I break. You're breaking his neck. Tell your neighbor you don't pray deliverance, you preach deliverance. Thank you. You preach deliverance. You preach it. Because it is in the preaching that the truth comes. You shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. You can pray all you want until they know what God has done for them. They can never be free. That is why when the young man walked into my office and he said, Pastor, pray for my deliverance. Pray that the curses are broken. And I showed him in the word of God who he is and where he is as a born again believer. The moment he saw who he was and who he is and the moment he saw the place where God has raised him up to sit, his eyes opened. The entrance of thy word brings light. Brings what? Illumination. When light shines, darkness leaves. The problem is many are not getting light. That is the reason why they still think they are bound. When light shines in your darkness, the darkness cannot stay. Impossible. Impossible. Praise God. He hath delivered us from the power of darkness. From the power of darkness. The kingdom of darkness has power. But you know what I said? I said, the devil cannot exert his power over me. Impossible. The devil has no right. 
it would be illegal for the devil to touch me. This man is too full of himself. Somebody is saying. This man is not full of himself. This man is too full of God. This man is too full of God to believe. This man is too full of the word to believe nothing but the word. I refuse to believe what people say. I believe only the word of God. I believe the word of God. Let every man be a liar. But let God remain true. God never lies. God never lies. I can't have God and the devil in my life at the same time. I can't have the blessing and the cursing in my life at the same time. I can't have freedom and bondage in my life at the same time. How possible is that? Sweating hard today. On one hand, the power of God will flow through us. But it's important that we bring the message and we bring the right message because it is when we, our hearts are ready that the power of God can flow through us. We cannot see ourselves as people that are in bondage and expect to set those in bondage free. If you are in a well, you can't bring out the one who is in a well. You have to be out of the well, totally free to bring them out. But if the church keeps seeing themselves as people that are bound and people that are under a curse, then how can you pray for those who are under a curse? We have to be free. And to be honest with you, a lot of times the freedom is in the head. Look at it. Here. Put your hand here. Touch your head. Yeah, that's where, that's where the freedom needs to come to. Because as a man thinks, so is he. Wrong doctrine have messed people up. Like I said earlier on, some people don't even know which way is up. They don't know the head. They don't know the tail. Because of what they've been listening to. I can see eyes are opening up and people are waking up. I started this message, people are looking at me like, what is he talking about? Pastor, you don't know why I came to your church. I came here because my uncle in the village put a curse on me. I came that you might break it. <laughs> I'm breaking it right now in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm breaking it by preaching the truth to you. Oh, yeah, I'm, that's why I'm breaking I'm breaking it by preaching the truth. I'm breaking it. I went, I went to my village and they put something in my food. And since then, I saw a dream and they did something to me. And since then, preaching some African gospel now. <laughs> African gospel. I went to, they put something. My, my auntie. My, um, my uncle. My mother. You know, I've been smoking something bad to think your mother is against you. You must be smoking something bad, some very bad weed. Sometimes it's not who is against you. Sometimes it's you being against you. Sometimes you are your enemy. You are your enemy. You take a gun, you shoot yourself in the leg, you blame your mom. So your mother did this, your, mother, your uncle did this. When we are in Christ, we are covered. Let me say that again. We, when, we, when we are in Christ, we are covered. Amen. In Exodus 12, the Bible says, when I see the blood, I will not let the angel of death come into your house. I won't let him come. In other words, God says, I won't let him come. I'll stop him. I'll rebuke him for your sake. He can't touch you. As long as you are covered in the blood, he cannot touch you. Amen. 
See, the problem is when people come out from under God's divine protection. Now, I understand that aspect. I'm not saying that does not happen. I'm not saying Christians don't do dumb stuff. A lot of times Christians open up the door through strife. Did you hear me? A lot of times Christians open up the door through sexual sins. And if you do, yes, the enemy will pursue you. The Bible says that because Israel has forsaken the holy things, the enemy will pursue them. That's the only reason. But if Israel is intact, if Israel is in her place, if the church is in a place of dominion and security, divine immunity, the enemy cannot pursue them. Rather, they will be pursuing the devil out of town. Are you listening to me? But if they forsake what's holy, then the enemy is going to pursue them. Can someone say amen? amen. You can look at this. Look at, look at Acts 19. Show you something here in Acts chapter 19. Is this helping anybody today? Praise God. Look at verse 11. It says, And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. Ha! Huh. See that? Are you seeing that? God worked or wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. Now, this is the same Paul that I was talking about earlier on. The same guy who was the biggest persecutor of the New Testament church. The guy was wicked. He held the clothes of those who stoned Stephen to death. You and I would agree that if you kill a man, there is a curse upon your life. Is that right? You and I will agree. But not one place does the Bible tell us that Paul went through any kind of deliverance. Because the moment he gave his life to Jesus and was filled with the Holy Ghost and was baptized in water, Everything of the past was erased. All erased. All erased. Can someone say amen? amen? It was this a man. The Bible says here, verse 11, right? It says, and God walked unusual miracles by the, the God wrought unusual miracles or special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons. And the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. You cannot be operating at this level with a curse on your life. <laughs> Amen. The book of Acts is the church's blueprint. You know what we mean by a blueprint? If you want to build a house, you need a blueprint. You build a house according to the blueprint you have. Is that correct? That's why I'm saying to you that the book of Acts is the blueprint for the New Testament church. The reason why the New Testament church is not the way it is today, the modern day church, is because they are not building this thing based on what is written in the book of Acts. They have come up with their own doctrine. They have come up with their own philosophy. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. He said, I did not come to you with enticing words of man. My preaching was not in, the, in enticing words of man's wisdom. But my preaching was in the demonstration of the Holy Ghost and power. So that your faith would not be built on the philosophies of man, but on the power of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. He says, verse 13. Notice verse 13 what happened. So here is this great man of God. Here is this man who was one of the baddest guys on earth. Right? One of the baddest guys. One, one, of, the, one of the biggest enemies of the New Testament church. Right? Now God's doing amazing stuff through his life. 
And, and look at verse 14. Sorry, verse 13. He says, Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over, over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preached. Now you see. You see now. What am I saying? On one hand, the power of God is going to be flowing. On the other hand, the power of the devil is going to flow. There's going to be an overflow of the power of God, but there's going to be an overflow. So we see two parallels. I won't say two parallels. So these guys said to themselves, hey, look at what Paul is doing. Devil's coming out just by putting his handkerchief on people. Let's try this thing out. Don't forget Colossians 1.13. He hath delivered us from the power of darkness. So the kingdom of darkness has power still. But the kingdom of darkness has power that does not overcome the believer in Christ. Amen. In other words, the power of the kingdom of darkness has nothing on us. Amen. But the kingdom of darkness still has power. Did you get that? The kingdom of darkness still has power. In actual fact, the, the, the power of the kingdom of darkness over a believer is what the believer allows the kingdom of darkness to exercise over him. Did you hear me? The power of the kingdom of darkness over a believer is what the believer allows the kingdom of darkness to exercise over him. So if you let the kingdom of darkness exercise its power over you, it will. We've heard the question, since I've been born again, I've heard, can a Christian have a demon? I've heard that question. There's been debates. I've taught the same in the Bible school. Can a Christian have a demon? When I taught on angelology, the study of angels and demons. Can a Christian have a demon? Listen, the simplest answer to that question is, a Christian can have whatever he wants. If you want a demon, you can have one. No, because there is this argument, can a Christian have a demon? Can a Christian have a demon? That's my first response. A Christian can have whatever he or she wants. If you want a demon, you can have one. Do you want a demon? Okay, so. <laughs> answer number two. I answer, my, my, my number two answer is in form of a question. Can a Christian have a demon? My answer is, what kind of Christian are you talking about? You, you know what I'm talking about. Uh -huh. If it's a Christian who is on fire, who is hot on the Holy Ghost, filled, living righteously, serving God, consistently attending services, building his faith by the word, prayerful, living pure, that Christian cannot have a demon. In other fact, demons can't even come near them. Because they are surrounded with the fire of God. And they are covered in the blood of Jesus. Can someone say amen? So that Christian can't have a demon. Can devils try to touch you? Yeah, they'll try, but they can't. In the book of Deuteronomy 28, it says, They shall come out against you in one way. But they shall run from you in seven different directions. Can I tell you why they run in seven different directions? Because they are confused. Because when they came out against you in one way, who they saw caused them to run helter-skelter. Praise the Lord. But if you're talking about that Christian who is in church only on Christmas Day. Uh-huh. You know those Christians, they are, we call them festivity Christians. They show up in church. When we talk about the New Year's Eve, they come out from the woodworks. They come out from everywhere. And the last time I saw them was one year ago, the last New Year's Eve. And they come into the place, 15 minutes to all shouting, Happy New Year. And they thought to themselves, if we come in five minutes to pastor shouting Happy New Year, we're going to the year 2019 blessed. And so they come, 11.55 p.m. And I see them coming, I was laughing. And I knew these guys are wasting their time. Is that the kind of Christian you're talking about? The one who 
is living a double, double life. He shouts hallelujah on Sunday. But on Monday, he plays Bob Marley. <laughs> Sammy, writing this quote, sir. <laughs> he shouts hallelujah on Sunday. On Monday, he's there playing Bob Marley. Tuesday. Who is he playing on Tuesday? Huh? Who is he on? Who, is he, who do they play on Tuesday? You don't know the names of these musicians? Okay. Somebody help me. Ah, Tupac. Uh -huh. <laughs> someone, someone said to me years ago, Pastor, I was so tired I went to the club to relax. Comes to this, he was coming to this church. He went to the ch uh, club on Friday. He said he was so tired. He couldn't go home and sleep. He wanted to rest very well, so he went to the nightclub. And there he was in the nightclub with all the booze and all the girls and all the show and all the lights and all the music. He was relaxing. <laughs> is that the kind of Christian you're talking about? Because see, no, don't, don't forget, can a Christian have a demon? Can he have a demon? Now, you know now. You are already getting the answer. Let's say we were in Bible school and I asked this question. You're already getting the answer to the question. Can a Christian have a demon? Thank you. What kind of Christian are you talking about? Is he a religious Christian? Comes to church on Christmas Day. Or New Year Day or on Easter Day. If that's the kind of Christian you're talking about. Those ones can have anything. They can have anything. Let's go back here in Acts chapter 19. Look at verse 14. He says, And there were seven sons of one skiver, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know. But who are you? <laughs> this guy's Seven sons of a priest. Seven brothers who had no relationship with Jesus. But they wanted to operate in the power of God. But they failed to understand that demons don't obey you because you call the name of Jesus. No, demons don't obey you because you scream out the name Jesus. No, demons don't obey you because you use the name if you have no relationship with Jesus, you can use the name all you want. Nothing will happen. You better don't deal with those that are demon-possessed if you don't have anything to do with Jesus. You better don't be dealing with those that are demon-possessed if you're not living right. That's a very dangerous place to be. It's a very dangerous thing to do. It's getting quiet now. Because those demons can leap on you. They'll jump out of the person and jump on you. And deal with you and jump back into the person. I'll not be surprised if you take some away with you. But a man that is full of God. A man that's full of faith. A man that's full of revelation of who he is as a child of God. A man that has a relationship with the name Jesus. When he deals with these things, they must obey and they must submit. 
They have no option to, than to obey, than to submit. Because God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every other name. That are the mention of the name Jesus. Every knee will bow of things in heaven, of things on the earth, and of things beneath the earth. And every tongue will confess to the glory of the Father that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you believe that he is Lord, then give him a big shout of praise the Lord in the house this morning. Hallelujah. But if you don't have that relationship, don't try to deal with them. Because if you try, they'll deal with you. The Bible says these seven men got together and they said, let's do what we've seen Paul do. We've seen how Paul has been casting demons out. Let's do it. It's fun. And they got together and they took this young man who had a demon. And they took him into a room. I believe they locked the door. And guess what happened? As they were trying to cast the demon out of this young man, the man jumped on them and began to beat them up. Tore their clothes, wounded them. And eventually they were able to run out of the house. They ran out naked. <laughs> One man destroyed seven men. Because the seven men thought we could use. Let's borrow this name. Let's, let's use it for a while. But it doesn't work that way. Can someone say amen? amen. Can someone say amen? amen? Is this helping anybody? This is so important. Now look at, look at this in verse 19. I like this. No, because I'm talking about, notice, I'm talking about two parallels. An overflow of the power of God. But while we see the power of God overflow, which I believe is going to happen in us, through us, because we are in a season of the overflow, there's also going to be an overflow of the power of darkness. I said for those who came late, I said it. Now, if you look at history, you would notice that men have yielded themselves to the Holy Ghost. And God has done great things in cities, in nations, in countries, in continents through them as they yielded themselves to the Holy Ghost. But on the other hand, we've also seen men who yielded themselves to demonic powers and they were used by demonic powers to wreak havoc. We talk about people like Hitler. Is that right? I mean, you can just keep throwing out names of people who give themselves totally to demons. They give themselves totally to demons. I mean, you read of stories or you hear in the news of serial killers and serial rapists. These are people who are giving themselves totally to demonic powers. And they are used by the devil to wreak havoc in families, to wreak havoc in cities and nations. They put everyone in a state of panic and fear. Is that correct? So on one hand, we're going to see the glory of God upon the church like never before. We're going to see the power of God flow through you and I like never before. But we've got to also understand on the other hand, there's going to be darkness covering the earth and gross darkness covering the people. But listen, you and I are candidates that will set them free from the darkness of the devil. Amen. Can someone say amen? amen. Look at what is 19 here. We read from verse 18. It says, and many that believed came and confessed. What did they do? See, people don't confess. A lot of people don't confess anymore. Confession. Listen now to me. Look up. Confession is a way of life for a believer. Confession is a way of life for a believer. A lot of people only confess when you catch them. 
But after you've been caught, it's not a confession anymore. Because I caught you. Don't wait until you are caught. Confess and you shall be forgiven. Believers are to confess. Even the Bible says in the book of James, confess your sins one to another and pray one for another that your sin may be forgiven. Where do you hear this preached? Not in a lot of places anymore. For you to take yourself and confess. That's how I confess at home. <laughs> and a lot of times people don't gain the victory over the sin because they keep confessing at home. Are you listening now? They keep confessing at home. And then they confess at home and then they go back and do the same. Someone told me, Pastor, I, I, I've always prayed about this thing. I always wanted to overcome this sin. I always fought this thing. You go, you're fighting alone. You're fighting this thing alone. One would chase a thousand. Two would chase ten thousand. You're fighting alone. And you're hiding it. And the devil is a master of darkness. The devil is the master of what? Dark. Notice what it says, Colossians 1.13. He hath delivered us from the power of what? Darkness. So if you have stuff that you're doing in the dark, the devil is still over you. See, see, notice what I said. I understand the whole thing about deliverance. The whole thing about deliverance, it's in regards, it should be, if people would address this message and teach it well, it should be in regards to people who have things they're doing in the kingdom of darkness. And then you shall be talking about delivering them. But the only way to still deliver them is by preaching deliverance. See, like I'm preaching now. You can't just pray, come out, free, come out, free. No, they're not going to be free because as long as they keep yielding to darkness, they'll never be free. You can pray all you want. That's why I said deliverance is not a prayer we pray. Deliverance comes by the message we preach. Amen. You don't pray deliverance, you preach deliverance. You don't pray deliverance, you teach deliverance. Much of fact, you don't say you teach deliverance, you preach deliverance. You don't teach it even. Because you don't, you don't teach this thing, you catch it. Deliverance is not taught, deliverance is caught. As we preach and proclaim, people catch it and they are free. Can someone shout hallelujah? People don't confess anymore. I'm not saying you should go confess to a priest. That's not the point I'm trying to make here. Weekly confession. That's another religious problem. That's brought people to a place of comfort in sin. Because, you know, I do it, I just go and confess to the priest. You are forgiven, my son. <laughs> you guys, look how you're getting upset with me. Shouldn't, no, some people are looking like, why did he say that? No, listen. Weekly confession puts you in a place of comfort. You become comfortable living a life of sin. Because, you know, you can all just come and confess. And now you're forgiven, free, go. No. No. So keep coming like you are. No, here, we don't preach keep coming like you are. Here, we preach come as you are, but change. Amen. Amen. And you can't change yourself, but the truth will change you. And that's why I'm preaching the truth, so that the truth will change you. The truth will set you free. How many of you appreciate the truth? Awesome. Because, amen. To God be the glory. Confess your sin one to another. Pray one for another. If you want to operate in the power of God, there shouldn't be skeleton in your cupboard. Because if you have skeleton in your cupboard, when you try to pray, 
the devil will condemn you with the sin you're committing. The devil will say, oh, I remember what you, what you did yesterday. Huh? And now you, you are totally devoid of faith. You're devoid of confidence. Because the only way to confront the kingdom of darkness is your confidence in God. But if your confidence in God is questioned, then you have no confidence. The Bible says, if, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our hearts. But if our heart does not condemn us, we have boldness. <laughs> See that? If your heart does not condemn you, then you have boldness. So if your heart does not condemn you, that's when you can pray boldly. And it happens. Can someone say amen? amen. There's something about your boldness. You must not let sin steal it. There's something about your confidence that you must not let sin or the devil steal. Let nothing alter with it. Let nothing tamper with it. You've got to keep that boldness and that confidence in God. The Bible says, and this is the confidence we have in him, that if we shall ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know, if we are confidently sure that he hears us, then we have the petition we desire of him. There's something about your confidence. The, the Bible says, do not cast away your, your confidence that carries a great recompense of reward. There's something about the confidence. There's something about the boldness that you have. That you step into a place where the devil is operating. And the devil runs because of your boldness. Amen. <laughs> Amen. When you open your mouth, you speak with authority. You're not going to be timid. You're not going to be afraid. Because there is something you have hidden in your cupboard. Good place to say, God, help me. <laughs> Praise God. That's why it's good to confess. My, even myself, sometimes in the, before I go to bed, I just say, Lord, if there's anything. I mean, some, I can't even put my hand on it. I say, Lord, if there's anything I've done today that displeased you, please forgive me. Just, just to be fine. Just to make sure there's nothing. Amen. Of course, if you did something bad, you should know about the Holy Ghost. You know. But sometimes, my, I'm not, I just, Lord, I just want you to know that. Look, I'm about to put my head on the pillow and sleep. If I've done anything, if I've said anything, if I've done anything that displeased you, please forgive me. Praise God. But when you certainly and definitely know, you don't say if. You put your finger on the thing. Lord, this is what I did. And there are cases where the Lord would, would ask you, according to the word of God in James chapter 5, go tell your pastor. Go tell a brother. Go tell a sister. Not everyone, though. <laughs> you tell everybody. You'll be in trouble. Because the next day, you see it on Facebook. <laughs> you see it on Instagram. <laughs> okay, let's move right along. It says here, Acts 19. Are you getting anything? Yeah. Good. Acts 19. It says from verse, uh, what are we reading here? Verse 19. Verse 19. Are we reading verse 19? We're reading 18. And many that believed came and confessed. And notice, it says, and shewed their deeds. Many also of them which used, you can say magic, right? Magic arts. Brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. People that have been using all kinds of magic books and uh, consulting with demons and all kinds of crazy stuff they've done. When they repented, they brought all the stuff they've used in magic and they burnt them. Notice while they were burning them, the devils couldn't do nothing. Because when you repent, you're free. Oh my God. Notice, I mean, are you seeing what I'm, this is the book of Acts. They were burning the books. The devils couldn't do nothing. Pastor, if I do that, the devil... No, the devil's not going to do nothing. Amen. 
I said, Amen. Amen. So this is, this is what we need to teach. This is what we need to preach. The truth that sets people free. So we're going to keep looking in this direction as we contend for the power of God and overflow the power of God in this season. Can someone say amen? amen. 